My next guest is Tamana Faizi. Tamana is a marketing consultant for the events industry. And in this episode, we talked about everything events marketing, from building great events to attracting great speakers to managing PPC campaigns for events. I've had an amazing chat with Tamana, and I hope you enjoyed as well. Her name is Tamana Faizi. Hello, Tamana. Thank you for joining me for this new episode of the Implement Podcast. Uh, today, guys, I have uh, Tamana Faizi, who is a marketing consultant in the events industry. Uh, so, Tamana, thanks again for joining me. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me, Badis. Um, it's been great. It's a really good um, podcast to be on, actually. There's not many for marketing leaders, especially in the events industry. Um, so, yes, um, I my previous sort of Uh, experience has been in marketing, um, particularly in the marketing events industry. So it's coming up to 10 years um, where I've worked with small small to medium organizations, um, most recently more FTSE 100 companies just on their marketing efforts, um, leading their marketing strategy and planning and value proposition for events, um, you know, from various different sectors, from healthcare to technology, counterterrorism, genomics and uh, some some mining industry as well so quite a quite a various sort of um, various sectors of industry that I worked in and most recently now uh, this year I've, I've chosen to start contracting so again within the events industry that's uh, that's uh, great I am actually very curious about your uh, your specialty of marketing because it's uh, I think it's a very Kind of a difficult part of marketing because there's so many so many challenges and uh, uh, you kind of need to be very specialized i think to be successful in events marketing um so yeah i want to ask you how you how you kind of started in this and uh, you've been now for 10 years in the events marketing space uh you know what do you what can you tell us about it and how did you start in this uh, in this area yeah sure so i fell into sort of marketing um events marketing by accident um i studied marketing i enjoyed it very much at university but marketing studying it and then putting it in practice uh it's actually quite different and i went to a sort of a, a marketing fair where it was for graduates to just go and meet and and see what what sort of options are available and that's where i met my um at the time my 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 employer who was looking for a marketing person to come in sort of um work in their marketing uh, section of the office in london their new office and that was sort of um in the counterterrorism um, and my boss at the time was really um, intrigued that I spoke so many different languages. And he said, that's exactly what we need. It's a very international market with international delegations and you've got all the languages. So it was quite an exciting job. Um, my dad was a former diplomat. So this was very much dealing with high level delegations. So I that that was sort of what attracted me to it initially. Um, and then ever since then, um, I never looked back because that was sort of a securing Asia summit. So it was an event where we brought in delegations from, you know, really high level delegations from Asia to come meet these sort of security suppliers um, from, from Western countries. So it was very niche. It was very sort of ex- high level exclusive event. And I really enjoyed it. It's, you know, product marketing and sort of events marketing. It's very, very different, different in terms of, you know, you don't have a product until the day. So you don't actually have anything to sell until the day. You, you know, it's almost like bringing together all these different parts of, of the event together. And, you know, you won't know if it's a success until the, 
the day it happens so it's quite it's quite like you know that's that's why I enjoy it and I've, I've stayed in the industry um, and it's all I know really so I've never really been curious to look elsewhere or to go elsewhere Awesome. Uh, the the first your first job sounded like a very exciting uh, James Bond like type of a uh, type of event. Yeah, I, exactly. I love that. <laughs> I always used to be the only girl in most of these meetings. So, you know, and people like uh, and quite young at the time as well. So um, it was it definitely felt empowering. And now looking back, there was hardly any women in the industry uh, at the time. But it's good to see ever since since then, which has been about nine years now. There's been there's a lot more. Uh, female figures, representatives in these um, industries, which is which is always good to see. Yeah, I um, I said that um, when we started that the this the specific lane of marketing is is very uh, different from the others, and I love how you put it is that uh, you know you don't have a product to sell until the the actual day happens. Um, so I I want to talk about the kind of your ten year experience in selling those events and, and uh, marketing them and like what are your kind of uh, rules and best practices and things that you've been learning and uh, that you've mastered over the years like some of the things you could share with us as a sort of uh, you know the, the best tips you can you can give us I guess uh, for events marketing um, it's a b2b industry and most of the times what especially um, for all of my experience has been in b2b and what Thing, one thing that I realized and I noticed in most companies, people forget, marketers forget that they're marketing to real humans. So they are very much focused on sort of marketing to another business or another a specific job title. You know, we need to target these people for this event. And the communication, the marketing comes across very like generic promotional this is event, this is who will be speaking, um, you know, these are topics, these are the key takeaways, you'll meet this person, but there is an element of why missing, and there's an element of what will this do for me as a person, and so I think over the years, we could, back 10 years ago, we could get away with it, if you had really top speakers that will be speaking there, you know, if you have to be really, really, like, world-renowned speakers you know like Barack Obama speaking at an event you don't need to do any marketing people will show up people don't care what he has to say they just want to hear from him for example but if you have more sort of speakers that are expert in their fields um, and you know you know you just assume as marketeers that this because we know that these people are great at their job and they're great speakers people would want to hear from them what we don't really realize is like well why what what does that do to to my life right now how does that affect does it make me better on my job is am I going to learn something from this person that I won't hear anywhere else so it, you really need to think about the value proposition for each person that attends and you know how the another thing is like segmenting and tailoring your message and personalizing it per person and even if you I get that there's a lot of different types of like people might, might attend a, an event but having at least one level of segmentation where you know, like, for example, in finance, you have, it's a huge sector, you have insurance, you have banking, you have private banking, there's so many different, all these people have different motivation to attend your event. So you need to really understand what their motivations are, and what's the benefits for them taking a couple of days out of your time, even if it's virtual, it's a huge commitment for somebody to then sit in front of a laptop or leave the office for three days, you really need to justify that for them, to be honest. So just remember to lead with empathy, led marketing, and that actually talks to like human to human and not just 
this is what they need to hear. This is the business term. And this is what will interest them. Love it. I, uh, I love how you put it because uh, I feel like it's a bit the same in the learning space and the learning industry. Um, like it's, uh, uh, you know, people are not going to be attracted to just like, uh, hey, you could learn about this or hey, like uh, we all have like kind of our own personal motivation and uh, it's, uh, yeah. And, and you mentioned something super interesting, which is if you can bring Obama to this, to the to the event, like people will show up. Like, how important are uh, you know getting the right speakers in early, and how do you get to do that, and how do you do that well? So, how it works for the events marketing industry, you have the obviously you have your producers bringing in the speakers, and you have marketing then marketing them to the relevant audiences. And I think the key is to really understand what you're trying to do and how. What are you trying to achieve with this? It's, it's a great thing for speakers to go and to these events and talk and, you know, it's good for their profile. It's understanding what your speakers' um, objectives are. So a lot of speakers will agree to speak because they want to raise their profile. They want to be seen as an expert. They want to be seen as a thought leader. So we need to then showcase that we will have this many people attend, this many people will have access to your talk after. This is the panel and the likes of companies that are sort of involved in this event. That's one angle, you know? The other angle is you have really, really renowned speakers already who don't really need the publicity, who don't need the PR. And they're more purpose-driven. So what is the purpose of this? I wanna be a part of something that's meaningful. Like just for example, me coming on this podcast, I did a little research about it and when I realized that well, this is great, this will give me an opportunity to talk about events marketing because a lot of there's a lot of information, there's a lot of blogs out there for you know mar marketing tips and marketing you know best practice and this and that, but there isn't anything as niche as marketing for events because it's quite different and nobody teaches you at, at university. Um, especially, I mean, maybe it's changed now, but 10 years ago when I was at university, or maybe a little bit more, um, that's not, that's not, that, that wasn't the case. I, like my, my understanding of marketing was so different to what I had to put in practice. So I guess it's understanding the, having a, a purpose that you believe in. So really believing in the purpose of why you're putting this event in the first place, and then understanding your angle. So understanding, you know, you, do you want to go for a speaker that, has the actual knowledge and would really, really make a difference to the panel or to the program? Or is it because you want to attract people, but just because of the person is really renowned? So I would say typically you need a mixture of both. You need somebody that will sort of, you know, has the, you don't really need the, doesn't need the PR, but wants to do it for a purpose, wants to make a difference, wants to make a change. And that's how, that's how you really want to then present it to them as well. And getting those early on will be a bonus, obviously, for the marketing team to then market that and you know get as many registrations because the more registrations you get you attract more sponsors so it just all kind of works hand in hand to be honest wow it's very interesting i uh i actually never thought about um you know all this like in such a detailed way because i have never actually managed events like as a as a marketer um and so a lot of misconceptions about how how it's all done actually you'll find a lot of the cases where sales say, you know, marketing are not doing anything, we're bringing all the money, where then, you know, marketing is actually doing quite a lot, but it's just not tangible because they're not the people on the phone. It's, you know, they're creating all the background knowledge and the, creating all the awareness, 
you know, you have so many different touch points at, of, of your customer journey before they even get to a place where they want to take a call from you or they want to register online to attend. There's, there's so many steps. You know, marketing is not how it used to be. Before you send one email and you just, as my, or, you know, put up an advert and, and just hope for as many people to register or whoever sees it. People are now, um, they are overwhelmed with choice and there's just so much going, so much information out there that it has to be so specific and relevant um, and non-promotional. Like it's almost insulting to receive an email where you have not shown interest in that product at all. And it's not really relevant. Even if it's remotely generic, I don't want to see it. I even get like, it kind of just makes me feel like we're, you know, 21st century, how are you still sending me these general emails if you have no idea what, what I'm doing? Like having uh, access to my inbox is a privilege for you. So you need to then make sure that you give me any information or take that space on my inbox at least it has to be relevant and that's a lot and that's that's just you know that's just how it is so it's it's i wouldn't say that marketers have a harder job or tougher job we just have to change our ways and approach because personalization is here to stay and promotional generic marketing is not i see and uh you know i you mentioned the you mentioned the receiving an email and all that and that's assuming that you have sort of an audience to market the event to um, mm -hmm. And my question is about how how large of an audience you need to do certain events. Obviously, it's going to depend on the size of the event you want to hold, uh, and the, you know you you'll need a you know not the same type of audience. But you need an, an audience that is ready to receive a message, right? Uh, I mean, you can't start from scratch and just say like, "Hey, I have no audience. I have zero people following my brand." I'm going to start this event. Like how difficult could that be to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the time, to be honest, um, what it typically used to be like, so people would be like, I want to, you know, run this event in uh, about, let's just say, I don't know, finance. I want to run this finance event and I have no data, absolutely data. So 10 years ago or even five years ago, you were able to go to a data company and say, right, this is, uh, I'm running an event and I need these specific companies and these job titles from these companies to market to. I want to send, I want to create a, you know, build my database and then start emailing to them. And this is now sort of, it's not even, I think it's not even GDPR compliant. So you can't even do that anymore. Yeah. What you need to do now, a person has to engage with your content or your, you know, downloaded something from your website or has emailed in any kind of interest before they have to explicitly give their sort of consent before you're able to even market to them. So that way of working is not, isn't even legal and it's not, it's not really um, efficient either, to be honest, because the relevancy most of the time is not there. So what people, what marketers need to do now, they need to change, you have to change your approach to thinking about how can we get a consent where people willingly give us their email address for us to market to. And then that comes down to content marketing. Content marketing so basically is producing value, valuable content uh, for your target audience where they will find it useful. It could be things like, um, you know, here's best practice on how to get you a, a really good, effective, uh, strategic email plan template. And you 
you know, write a blog or it's, you know, it could be in a form of a blog, it could be in a form of a white paper. So just just to uh, on this point, like what you're saying basically is that uh, like five years ago, you could start from scratch without having an email list because you could just do a lot of outbound, a lot of direct marketing. But right now uh, it's becoming harder because people don't respond to it anymore. And so, and, and, and also it's not working anymore. So you need to build an audience before launching an event and way before and, and kind of build that audience. Is that what you're saying? Definitely, yeah, okay. definitely. You need to have an audience. You need to know who you're targeting or, or marketing to. Now, it's not that you absolutely cannot, like there are other ways of acquiring that data. So that could be through sort of, um, you know, your partners that you're working with, if, if, if sponsor comp companies that sponsored you are exhibiting or speakers that come from, they can market to their sort of data and say, I'm speaking at this place or I'm sponsoring here, but it still wouldn't be enough. It really depends on the size of the event. So then you'd look at sort of things like uh, pay-per-click, PPC, um, advertising which is one of the, you know, you, you have to, which, you know, is really, really sophisticated in terms of who you want to target. You can create lookalike audiences. You can upload your list and say, this is the type of people that I want to target. So there's so many other ways. Again, with that, you need to be really specific with your message. You need to think about every touch point of that person's um, journey. And then where does that lead to? You need to be ready to create landing pages for specific messages and specific persona types. So you need to build all of those so that when you are doing all your advertising and your PPC campaigns and you're driving that traffic back to the website to remember that you still have enough relevant content that will engage them enough to want to then sign up to a newsletter or, or download a content. So, you know, every step needs to be thought through um, so that it's an integrated message throughout that person's journey. I see. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so there's the question of the audience, which is, uh, I think it's the kind of the, the, the key thing, right? But there's also the question of cash because you need to spend in events marketing, I, I guess, like a, 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 at least to, you know, have uh, pay for pay, pay the speakers sometimes. I mean, uh, some, some of the speakers need to be paid or you need to uh, like host a lot of, uh, you need a lot of different tools, you need a lot of different people working on it. Um, so talking about money, like how much does it cost for an event? Like, uh, do you have sort of a formula or something that people can use to kind of estimate the, the different costing? This, this is now sort of sets for like um, the operations side of the event yeah. organizing team. So it starts off, I think, so I've, I've obviously managed marketing budgets. Um, so that's, I can give you a, a sort of a better understanding, but in terms of overall, I can give you the biggest costs um, that to, to sort of factor in and, but not that it's so relevant now because everything's gone virtual, but one of the biggest costs that were, you know, were the venue, because venues have, even if your event is as small as like 300 people, you still need a big enough venue. So the cost always sits with, um, your, the kind of venue you hire, the AV, the lighting, um, which all adds to the experience and making sure the acoustics are, um, there's been so many events that I've been in and the acoustics are so bad. You can't really hear the speaker. The speaker doesn't feel engaged with the audience. And it just, you know, creates a really, um, it, not, a, not a productive environment. Uh, and it just kind of throws off the speaker too. So all of those things are probably the biggest costs. In marketing, I would say the biggest cost would be um, advertising. So PPC, for it to really work, you need to, um, and, you know, 
to run it between three to six months, depending on the lead time of the event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with something PPC, it, the more you run it, the longer you run it, the better it gets. So it's all about machine learning. It understand what's working, what's not working. So it's really sophisticated and you just have to optimize it as you go um, to get that, you know, pick up the learning that from, from the campaigns that are running, you can see who's interacting where and who's what, which touch point of your marketing campaign is bringing you the most traction. And that's where you will eliminate and sort of um, add and reprioritize the things that are working. So it's an ongoing process and you need about 20K to 20 to, you know, people I've spent 100K on PPC before. So it really, you do need a budget for that. And it's one of the best ways to sort of um, get as much outbound traffic to then nurture them into a journey that they will eventually convert into a uh, bio or or, um, advocate of your event, Um, you know, so, to then build that new data. So it is good, but you do need the budget for that. And for companies who don't have budgets, they can do other things. They can do SEO. They can they can um, utilize their own social media accounts, which are free. Mm-hmm. And it just requires maybe a full-time person to just maybe two couple of hours a day, every day, engage with the right people, follow the right people, look at the trending um, topics. Is that relevant in any way to your event? And again, you don't have to just talk about your event and what you're selling on your social media accounts. You need to be engaging and with the, you know, what's current, what's relevant right now, because I don't want to follow an account that just talks about their events or just talks about their events of the speakers. If it's in healthcare, I want to know what else you can give me. And, you know, I'm following you. What else is you're putting out there that's valuable to me? You know, if I'm um, this finance account, I want to know, in how how to do my job better. Give me some tips on how to, what do, what do your speakers say about your finance management? What do your speakers say about opportunities post COVID? You know, everything that is current that will also add value. I, you know, so all the content that's like how to do this or how to become this are the ones that are doing really well. And that's because people are relating to it. I see. So. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm really, uh, I, I love talking about this. It's, uh, it's a very new topic for me. So I'm learning a lot right now. Um, when you talked about the PPC uh, and you obviously worked more in, in the, on the B2B side of things, what kind of platforms do you use? Like, uh, are there, like, does LinkedIn really work for this kind of uh, things? Uh, I mean, I'm talking about paid or do you use more like Facebook or like uh, what are the platforms you're using? So it really depends on the industry. I find LinkedIn that works for um, most of my B2B um, campaigns just because, you know, they're all professionals and they target, you know, the targeting is good uh, as well. To some extent, you can target by job title, by industry and company size. Now, however, the ones that I used, um, you know, that that you, you can learn machine learning from and all that is Google AdWords. And you can reach a much, much wider audience um, because it's all based on how well your strategy is for that PPC and, and the, the use of keywords. So the more, the better you know how a person will search for you, the better your results. So that's, so if you're good at that, Google AdWords will be probably one of the good options. The other thing is Facebook is, is really, really good at targeting. So it has a lot more uh, options and filters for when you want to target your your target market. 
And the other functionality that it has that the others don't have is that you can upload lists. So if you have um, contacts that you know are your sort of potential customers, you can upload up to about 300 email addresses and then say to Facebook, this is my target audience. I want you to target anyone that behaves like them or, or, or is anything like them. So, you're, so it's even more targeted that in that sense you can reach. But, um, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper than Twitter and it's cheaper than LinkedIn advertising on Facebook. Um, what I would say though, go with, like what works in terms of formats is video. So video has been proven than more than sort of the format of just Google AdWords, more than anything on social media, on literally any platform right now, just communicating your message on video. And I don't mean like you have to have like somebody speaking over it, or it could be a, the same thing that you would put on a static image could be on a video, five second video. People are more, more in tuned and video kind of with, with captions and subtitles. People forget that bit always. People want short content, digestible content, and they don't want to read a lot of stuff. They don't always they just scroll through it. So, and data has shown, you know, like the, the targeting is, you know, pretty much Facebook is the winner there, but you can reach better audiences through Google AdWords if you, if you know exactly your product and your target audience and what they'll be searching for. Twitter is something that I have never sort of spent money in, in terms of advertising. I focused all my efforts in the organic reach, building communities, following the right people, engaging with the right people, uh, putting out content that would be sort of, you know, you just have to think if I put this out, would, would this be useful for my target audience? Would they use this? Would they think that, okay, this person's quite useful, so I'm gonna continue following this person. People want content. People, people don't want to hear about you. People want everything about them. What's in it for me? Am I going to learn something from this? Am I going to, and it's not even learning all the time. Sometimes people just follow other networks and um, Instagrams because they want to be perceived as a, a specific way. Like if I go and follow all the CEOs, I, I'm going to feel like that I am in a good place and to, to then tell others that this is the kind of knowledge base I have that I'm also on the same level because these are my peers, these are who I follow. So it's all about image as well. And you need to, you know, and if it's a, people are really selective, selective in terms of what they wanna consume, what they wanna associate themselves with, even though they're not a public figure, but it's becoming more and more of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, events have this type of, uh, you know, value as well of just going there and it's, it's a social value it's a social currency to be at certain events and uh, um, exactly. spending time there absolutely um, and uh, talking about events i'm just wondering about how good uh, virtual events really are because i know there are apps that are like really uh, soaring and uh, like new ways of doing virtual events and like there's uh, all this with covid i mean there was such a boom in this area uh but i don't yeah. know i feel like you know why not just make a webinar out of it or like why you know what's the real value of not meeting people physically and being in a certain place with certain people where you know uh it's it's really like a, a great experience in itself like just being there and you don't really have to go uh, see all the speakers but you're gonna meet people like that's, yeah. that's the beauty of being together in the same place so how good are really our our virtual events and uh 
and are people going there really finding value um, and you know does it work well it really depends on the person and it depends on the industry i would say overall the um there is definitely zoom fatigue as i call it people are tired of being on laptops all day and then going to an event usually takes them outside of their office space you know it's that element of meeting people in person. And then, you know, a lot of these events will have a networking uh, drinks or reception or dinner on the first day or the second day. And these events always finish with, a, you know, um, another event where people then just like deals have been made, contracts have been signed, people are happy. Now this is the sort of the last night, the last hurrah where everybody, and you know, a lot of these events are always destination uh, based as well. So that I used to host events in Boston, San Francisco, Malay, you know, Thailand, all these places. And that alone, the destination was a draw to promote most of these people. So that elements and the networking is, you know, there's is having a after a long day of like meetings, sitting down with a client with a drink is a lot more sort of um, relationship building is a lot easier in that sense, you know, and people like to do business or work with people that are likable, they like. So it's not always about the great deal. And, you know, industries like the telecoms, for example, have been hit really hard because um, no one came for the content for those events. People only came to meet people and the deals were done right there and then. It was literally like the it event. The every <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or that. Yeah. So, you know, some industries are really reliant on the face to face meetings. Um, but then we've had to pivot. Is I think if if COVID didn't hit, we would still be having physical events. Um, however, I think in other ways, there's a lot of advantages for virtual events, um, especially for sponsors, um, attendees, the user experience is so much, you know, you get a lot more of your time. And when I say that, um, you know, these virtual events have become a lot of um, a lot more sophisticated. So there's a lot of data that you can take away after you've attended, for example. Um, I can, you know, there's always a lot happening at an event. There's always like maybe two or three streams. So there's always like two or three sessions happening at the same time. Um, and a lot of these, like most of this time, the rooms or the theaters, you know, are like quite far away from each other. So if you want to go to one, one session, then you'd have to pop, walk over to another. So you save a lot of time in, in sort of um, jumping in between sessions, speak, you know, you get more for your time. You can go, um, you can attend more sessions. You can interact with the speaker more because they have all these interactive polling and messaging and question Q&A time. And from the comfort of your home, you can meet a lot more people. And the other good thing about the virtual platforms is that, you know, based on your sort of profile, once you're updated based on your interests and background and job title, you know, a lot of these platforms are now sophisticated enough to show you or recommend you the people that you might find useful, you know, so like powered by our AI, it's, you know, not super, super clever, but, you know, basic AI functionalities to then that way, again, you get more ROI for your time meeting instead of going around looking for the right badge name or the right, you know, job title, it's all in front of you. You just, you know, exactly who to meet, who you want to talk to and who you want to engage with. So in that sense, for an attendee, it's, it's, you, you, you get more out of it. Um, and then from a sponsor, for example, normally a sponsor will exhibit or sponsor uh, will have a booth and they would just rely on, you know, people coming and st stopping by their booths. Now people can, you know, they can get their data or the leads of anyone that uh, stopped by on their page and or checked out any of their products. They will get that data and they can follow up straight away after the event. So 
again, from a sponsorship point of view, you get a lot more data when, and data is what you need, right? Like that's the whole purpose of anyone even um, taking a booth or anything because they want the leads. You have better chances of getting leads that are more relevant for you. So, you know, it's there's a lot of pros and cons to both. I think the ideal scenario or situation would be a hybrid event where you have the choice to do, I, I will watch this from home. I'll go in one day to watch, maybe to meet a couple of people in person. So it, it really depends on the person. Like a lot of people are super happy that these events are virtual because they hate the fatigue of being on site and the starting time is so early and then having to finish so late. Other people are like, I don't wanna do this virtually. It's not the same, it's not for me. So I think it's really, really getting that message out there and actually remembering to talk about all the advantages and the tools and the benefits of your actual platform that you're using, not just about the speakers, because people wanna know what the experience is gonna be like if they're gonna attend a virtual event. I wanna know how interactive it is. In fact, I wanna know that I wanna I want be marketed to in a way where it says forget physical events because virtual events are so much better for X, Y reason. And then you go into the content because I wanna know what's different about your platform that's, you know, again, the big question is it, it sounds like just a big, another big webinar. I don't wanna to go to another webinar. So marketers need to remember to paint their platform in a light where it's, it's, it's inviting and to the point where I said, I wanna try that out, that sounds cool. Maybe build a feature that in a way where it engages or interacts with people that you otherwise wouldn't at a physical event, I would say. I see. Um, Tamana, thanks. It's uh, it's a great to have all these insights. I'm uh, really learning so much from since we started talking, and uh, actually we're running out of time. So just kind of to to <laughs> wrap up the wrap up the episode, um, could you share with us maybe some resources? You know, someone who wants to get in this field of events marketing or wants to learn more about it, or are there any blogs they can follow? Any podcasts? Any uh, videos on YouTube? Anything that you could share with us? Well, this would be a good place to tell you that I'm actually starting my own blog <laughs> uh, on events marketing. So it's still it's still in the works um, and I'll let you know when that's up and running. But what I use for my own resources is actually, I haven't found that many that are particularly um, insightful for events marketing in particular, or maybe that I haven't come across anyway. But I've used LinkedIn um, resource, the Learning Hub really well, and they're in the HubSpot Academy. They're really, really good too. And Growth Tribe. So Growth Tribe are these guys that are sort of, um, they're very sort of forward-thinking marketers. And it's basically, they almost, I think they were the pioneers in T-shaped marketing. And T-shaped marketing basically is testing each, you know, on a small scale, testing and trialing different things on your marketing campaigns to hack a growth, um, to trigger growth, basically. How to hack um, and escalate um, and grow your audience by just doing smarter marketing. So, um, and they do a lot of sort of courses and um, webinars, live webinars, which I found really, really helpful. And they always give specific tools that you can use. Um, like a lot of them are free and, and you know, I've, I've not actually heard of them before. And these guys will always sort of give you takeaways that you can actually apply to your work straight away. So I think these three have been sort of my uh, go-to for everything. Um, and other, the other way of learning things is to then go whatever you've learned go and rewrite it in your own words you know like a, like pretend like you have a block piece and if you were to explain this to somebody and I just like 
use analogies to remember these things and learn them. Um, so yeah, I think those three would be sufficient to start with. Awesome. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, could you tell us maybe where we can connect with you online if uh, people want to follow you or, uh, you know, send you a question or? Um, so I'm quite active on my LinkedIn and Twitter. So um, LinkedIn is Tamana Fazy. You can search me easily. Um, and then my Twitter is Tamana underscore F. Um, hopefully I'll have my blog, which will be TF Marketing. Um, I'll be sure to share it with you guys. And hopefully I'll be able to sort of support more event marketeers um, with everything that we discussed and put them in writing. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming, Tamana. Thank you. Thank you for having me.